The Word of God is proclaimed from Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 14. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Our second scripture passage is from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to tell you a story about the time lamb made me cry. Yes, lamb made me cry. I was introduced to lamb by my grandfather. He taught me to season it, grill it, and to never, ever overcook it. For decades, Pop-Up and I shared meaningful conversations over lamb dinners. So I sat down to take my first bite of lamb during my first holiday without pop-pop. And yes, the lamb made me cry. It wasn't the herbaceous smell, the mouth-watering sight, or the delicious bite. The lamb made me cry because the lamb was the reminder that pop-pop was no longer with us. 
Has that ever happened to you? Has lamb ever made you cry? We love the sights of Christmas lights, the taste of Christmas cookies, the smell of Christmas trees, and definitely the sound of Christmas hymns. But Christmas time is also the time of year when a sight, a sound, a smell has the power to remind us of who is no longer with us. Perhaps sometimes it's an empty chair or an empty pew and it makes us cry because they remind us of family, church family and friends who are no longer with us. Matthew begins the New Testament with a list of Hebrew people representing 42 generations of a family who is no longer with us. Abraham and Isaac lived 4,000 years ago. They're no longer with us. David and Solomon lived 3,000 years ago. They're no longer with us. Mary and Joseph lived 2,000 years ago. They're no longer with us. Matthew takes us through these past generations to introduce us to the one who is still with us. The one who was who is with us was born 2,000 years ago. And before he departed in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28, his final words to his disciples were a promise. And the promise was this, and surely I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. The one who is with us when everyone else is no longer with us has a name, and his name is King Jesus. How could Jesus still be with us? According to Matthew's own gospel, he dates the birth of Jesus to roughly 2,000 years ago. Matthew says in chapter 1, verse 1, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, a son of Abraham, a son of David. We know where to find Abraham. He's buried 20 miles south of Jerusalem. We know where to find David. If you'd like to see David, the closest you'll come is Michelangelo's statue in Florence, Italy. Jesus' ancestors are long gone. What we know about human lifespan screams that Jesus must be long gone, no longer with us. Here's where Christianity differs from every other major religion. I must confess, it, it makes me nauseous when, it, when someone says, all the religions are pretty much the same. Here's one major difference. The Jews point to their founder, Abraham, and say, no longer with us. The Muslims point to their founder, Muhammad, and say, no longer with us. The Buddhists point to their founder, Buddha, and they say, he's escaped the cycle of rebirth. He's no longer with us. The Christians point to Jesus and say, Jesus is with us. How could Jesus be with us? Again, I ask the question, how could Jesus be with us? Almost as soon as Matthew introduces Jesus, the Messiah, 
Matthew identifies Jesus as the one they will call Emmanuel, which means God with us. The meaning of Christmas, the radical message of Christmas with which most of our society has forgotten is Jesus is with us because Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus indeed is God. Since the 300s, Christians have confessed, and we will confess today after the message through the saying of the Nicene Creed, Jesus Christ, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, one of substance with the Father through whom all things were made. This is the Christmas message. God, maker of heaven and earth. Imagine the enormity of God as the scriptures describe Yahweh Elohim. God, the one who holds the waters in the hollow of his hand. God, the one who weighs mountains on a scale. God, the one who hangs the earth on nothing. That God became a single cell. God, clothed in splendor and majesty, wrapped in light. God, carried in the womb of Mary, becomes a single cell. Those cells multiply and take form. And the God who is clothed in splendor and majesty is now clothed in human flesh in Mary's womb. And here's how it happened. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Joseph and Mary are legally married. And as Matthew points out on numerous occasions in this small birth narrative, they had not yet consummated the marriage. They had not yet had their marriage ceremony. No physical intimacy, no honeymoon at this point in the story. And Matthew says, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. This makes Jesus's conception different than your conception. This makes Jesus's conception different from the conception of every other human being. Jesus is not conceived by the seed of man, but rather the Holy Spirit. Jesus is fully human, born of Mary. Jesus is holy God at conception and at birth. His conception is different, and Jesus is different. Listen to how differently David describes himself at conception and at birth. Psalm 51, 5. Here's what David Here's how David describes himself and ultimately the condition of every other human being who was not conceived by the Holy Spirit. Surely, I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. From the moment of conception and birth, David claims that human beings are sinful. David is saying there's a nature, a disposition, a leaning toward 
sin from birth from the very beginning. Just a quick question for those of you who have children. For those of you who have nieces and nephews, for those of you who have spent any time with young children at any point in time, did you have to teach them how to lie? I want you to ask my two-year-old how old she is after service. She's been telling people that she's three. I didn't have to teach her not to share with her brother or to put him in a chokehold. We don't really watch TV. I don't know where she learned the chokehold. It must have come from somewhere within her, but she has mastered it. Sinful at birth from conception. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 3, verse 9, Jews and Greeks alike, everyone, all people are under the power of sin. Romans 3.23, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible's telling us about the universal state of sinfulness within humankind. To talk about the effects of sin, let's talk about COVID-19. No, I'm not linking COVID-19 to the sinfulness of mankind. We're Presbyterian, not Baptist. Amen? There's a lot of possibilities regarding what COVID-19 does to the human body, which you're very familiar with, we all are familiar with. We know for some people the virus has no ill effects. The virus lives within you, but you're asymptomatic. For other people, it makes you minorly or majorly sick for a short period of time. It's nothing that bed rest and fluids can't fix. For others, like the pastor I met in New Jersey a few weeks ago, COVID almost killed him. COVID put him on a ventilator. COVID made him forget a few weeks of his life. He described his experience with COVID as one of the scariest things that happened to him. He said, I swear to God, I thought I was going to die. Eight months later, this pastor still feels the effects of COVID-19 and wonders and doubts if he'll ever be the same. Finally, there are about 800,000 Americans who have been killed by COVID-19. And because of their lives and their testimonies, they scream from the grave, COVID is deadly and fatal. Here's the parallel. Some say, sin. It's nothing. I'm a sin tomatic. It has no effect. Others say that the effects of sin are simply short-term. Yeah, there's short-term consequences, but you deal with it, you try harder, and you move forward. While others say sin, if you're not careful, will take you over, lay you out, incapacitate you, and ruin your life. And finally, there are those who say that sin is fatal. Sin, it'll kill you. We have radically different opinions around the sin problem, and the Christians are the one who say sin, the action, the attitude, the nature, the state, it'll kill you. The wages of sin are death, eternal separation from God. 
Denying the power of sin will not save you. Rest in plenty of fluids will not save you. More studies, more information on the effects of sin will not save you. Doing better the next time will not save you. What you need is much more powerful and radical than anything you can produce or do all by yourself. This is why God came in flesh and dwelled among us. This is why Jesus conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary has come. This is why the angel had Joseph name him Jesus. For his mission is to save his people from their sins. Jesus had to be a man to stand in the place of judgment for men and women. Jesus had to be a sinless man to pay for the sins of mankind. Jesus had to be holy God because only God has the power to forgive all sins once and for all. Jesus, holy God, came to make sons and daughters of men holy, sons and daughters of the Almighty God. This is the meaning of Christmas. This is the message of Christmas. This message, God is with us. Jesus is God, demands a response from us. It's not enough to just feel warm and fuzzy inside, knowing perhaps if you have your faith in Christ, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you're saved. This news of Christmas demands a response from you. And the first response is to worship Jesus. Throughout the New Testament, people fall on their face in front of Jesus and they worship him as God. And Jesus never tells them to get up. Make this Christmas season a worshipful time. Commit to being here throughout the Advent season. Worship Jesus. The second response is to put your life in God's hands. If you are living outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, today, pray and ask the Lord Jesus to take away your sins and to come into your heart. The third response to God with us is to make every effort this Christmas season to get close to Him. What's keeping you far from the Lord? I think about everything that Christ went through to be near to us. Let's get near to Him. Are you undisciplined? Can you put down your phone? You can get up early. You can stay up late. Through this Advent season, get near to the one who is with us. The last response is to share the message of God with us in word and deed. There are people in our lives who are hurting. There are people in your life who the holiday season is a difficult time. Perhaps they're grieving. Share the message with them that God is still with us. Move beyond talking about the weather or how horrible the giants are. We don't need to talk about such things. Share with them the message of God is with us. That's why we're so excited about Christmas. Share with them in word. Invite them to church. Invite them to join you on Christmas Eve or during one of our services. And finally, be the reminder, indeed, that God is with us. 
some time ago, we went through a difficult time as a family. And when we returned home one day, my brother-in-law was waiting in the driveway, ready to pray with us. He didn't have to fix it. He just made an effort to be with us. He was the reminder through his presence and his prayers that God is with us. Be the reminder to others. Many whom we love are no longer with us, but God so loved us that he came to save us and to be with us forever. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us now and forevermore. Amen.